Sup, nerds? This is In My Expert Opinion, a podcast about the nonfiction side of speculative fiction. Your hosts are Dr. Marcus Cole. I get paid to do science. Sarah Ward. I'm a scientist in progress. And me, Abby Cole. I'm not a scientist at all. Join us as we geek out about the made-up stuff we love and the real stuff that shaped it. Today we're going to be talking about the Thieves Guild and Assassins Guild in Skyrim, as well as medieval organized crime. Yeah. Crime. Crime's awesome. <laughs> crime's awesome. Turns out, <laughs> crime is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it turns out when you look into secret societies of crime, they weren't super public about themselves, so it's a little bit hard to find information about them. Huh, don't you say? I guess that makes sense. They don't publish all of their secret society rules. Yeah, like in hindsight, I get it, but at the time when I was researching it, I was like, what? Okay, guys, why don't you fucking put all of your information online for me to see it? <laughs> why didn't you leave this for posterity? Guys. Are we just like a pro open source crime on this podcast? That's like our thing? Apparently. <laughs> uh... I'm going to say me officially no. Okay. You guys can uh, you guys can take your own individual stances. That's fair. What I'm pro is uh, both the Dark Brotherhood and the Thieves Guild. Uh, as am I. Yes. Yeah, I'm very yes. pro. Tell us about these quest those. lines. Yeah, so basically the Dark Brotherhood in Skyrim is like an organization of assassins. And um, the Thieves Guild is an organization of thieves. And also, they don't, don't like say. murder. They have told me several times in Skyrim, please don't kill people. Oh, That's true. I forgot about They're that. They're always like, you fail the job if anybody dies, which yeah. is the exact opposite of the, <laughs> as you might guess, the Assassin's, the Assassin's Guild. Guild. Yeah. Basically, the way it works is the Dark Brotherhood. They are Hail Sithis. Hail Sithis. I know who you are. Oh, my God. I, first of all, let me just say, I fucking hate it when you're in town and a guard's like, hey, I know who you are. He'll suit this. And it's like, bro, it's like three o'clock in the like, afternoon. Chill. Can you just like not fucking point chill. this shit out right We're now? We are society. surrounded by people. Yeah. Sithis is like the god of death or destruction or something like that. Uh, Sithis is a deity representing the void and like general misanthropy. Yeah. Mm. Oh, interesting. I yeah. didn't know about the misanthropy part. So basically, if you want to hire the Dark Brotherhood, you have to construct an effigy of the intended victim from actual body parts and pray to the Night Mother. So this is the Black Sacrament. In the Dark Brotherhood, there's like someone called the Listener, um, and they hear the Night Mother and arrange for members of the Black Hand to fulfill the contract. Without the listener, it's mostly like you just hear rumors of the sacrament being practiced mm -hmm. because suddenly Bob from down the street's like, does anyone have a human head? <laughs> Guys, I need to borrow some human heads. <laughs> and then they're like, hmm, weird. That must be a black sacrament. And then they do the contract. What is it like? Sweet mother, sweet mother, send your child unto me or something like that? Yeah, something like that. In the game, the first person you see doing it is like a kid who wants you to kill a lady running an orphanage that he's at. That he was at. That he was at, yeah. Because she sucks. Her name is Grelod the Kind. It's ironic. Uh-huh. Yeah. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So the Dark Brotherhood is like a pretty explicitly religious organization because of the the revering of Sithis. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm And the Night Mother, who is like debatably a deity or something. I, I don't know. I don't Wasn't quite get Wasn't she that like part. his wife? Yeah, something like that. And they operate on murder contracts, whereas the Thieves Guild- <laughs> 
is, you know, there's thieves and fences. They have, like, a lot of holds in politics. So they, like, bribe and extort and intimidate officials and guards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're less explicitly religious. So their members have this, like, uncanny look because the the higher-ups in the organization have a deal with a Daedric prince nocturnal. And so they're the guardians to her temple. But the the general membership doesn't really do this. So you don't have any, like, fucking asshole guards being like, hey, hail nocturnal to you, like, when you're just fucking minding your own business. It's like, buddy, I'm trying to sneak around here. Please. Yeah, please please don't say this. I feel like their loyalty is mainly to, like, wealth more than anything. It's like, yeah, "Yeah, let's get these Oh, yeah, the Thieves Guild is very much just like, yo, I'm just here to make money. Yeah. And be sneaky. Although, Mm -hmm. I feel like, isn't it true that at the beginning of the plotline for the Thieves Guild, they're like, oh, man, our luck has been bad recently. And then you have to, like... You do have to go fix the nocturnal situation yes. and like mm-hmm. do a whole quest for that. So there is an aspect to it is like technically this is religious, but yeah, for the participants, it's like yeah, for just you about money. is the for you the character it's religious, and for like two or three other people in the organization it is, and then the rest of them have like no fucking idea about it. And whenever you talk to them, right. they're just like, anyway, you want to go steal like a pot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like many other kind of like fantasy depictions of thieves guilds, they have a like secret thief language. Um, theirs is in symbols called shadow marks. So if you see like mm-hmm. a shadow mark, it like designates like this house can be taken from, this house has already been stolen from, you know, don't steal here. This kind of thing is here. Yeah, that kind of information. Yeah. Do they have a thieves um, can't like they have in D&D? Like there's like a jargon that they use to communicate with each other? I think it's just the symbols. I don't know if they have the, the spoken language part of it. Got it. Not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge anyway. I feel like also... By the end of the quest line, you're like in charge of the guild and an agent of Nocturnal or whatever. I feel like I would know if there was Thieves Camp. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I would know. Although, to be fair, at, much like with like all these other guilds and like shit in Skyrim, you just become the leader after like what is in game, like three weeks of time. So it's <laughs> yeah. pretty feasible that They're I would like, know you're anything amazing. about them. Please run this. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> wow, I just met you like five days ago, Brynjolf. Ugh. It is... The greatest crime that you can't romance Brynjolf. Oh, I know. Well, romance. I mean, romancing in Skyrim is essentially just marriage, but yeah. it is a great crime that you cannot marry him. Him and Farkas, man. Yeah. Boo. Well, you can marry Farkas. Oh, that's right. You can. I just chose not to. I got myself a himbo husband first, and then I was like, hmm, I'm going to like do a headcanon <laughs> where, where uh-huh. Farkas is my secret lover. Uh-huh. Uh, in that game, I chose Farkas. also a dumbass, and then he got kidnapped, and so I had to go rescue him from some nearby caves several times. Useless husband. Yeah. Every, I would like go home, and I'd find a note that would be like, oh, we took your husband, and it's like, like, damn it, <laughs> again. God damn it. Also- don't you know who I am? And so, like, I roll up to save him wearing my, like, fucking nightingale armor. I'm the head of the fucking Dark Brotherhood. I'm the head of the Thieves' Guild. And it's like, uh, I'm the head okay. of every goddamn thing. Sure. I guess you can steal from me. See how that goes for you. It's like, it's your funeral. It doesn't go well. Spoiler alert. Yeah. It doesn't yes, go well. Yes, it's literally a funeral. Well, no, they don't have a funeral. <laughs> yeah. Lots of dying, yeah. though. Yeah. Anyway, so those are the, the you know, this organized crime in Skyrim. And it's, like, really segmented. And they're basically, like, actual guilds in their setup Mm -hmm. so when you're talking about a medieval guild the medieval period being between the fifth to the late 15th uh centuries so the guilds in this case is um it's associations of like craftsmen or professionals in like a specific trade like a merchant or something like blacksmithing yeah yeah like blacksmithing (laughs) like merchants and basically it promotes like the economic interest of the members and a lot of them had a lot of social and religious functions But by being a guild, they could establish like a monopoly over their practice within a specific area. Hmm. They often had associations with local governments and stuff. And so, you know, it was very like, we are all allowed to practice this thing. No Mm -hmm. one else can practice it unless in our guild. 
because we do also things for the community that are social and religious. We get away with a lot of shit. And Interesting. it is overall better for our members because they have um, better economic prosperity because of it. Got it. So it's like, and these are not secret societies, more or less just like exclusive societies that can reap benefits from being partnered with like the governments of the time. Basically, yeah. It's my understanding that they're kind of like varied in how they operate because of how in the medieval period there wasn't like, you know, these cohesive government structures. Mm-hmm. No. Right. So like, <laughs> you know, you have like a city state. <laughs> Or, you know, within a kingdom, all these cities are operating separately. And so, like, a guild practice may be different, even if they're both merchant guilds, depending on where it is in that country. Okay, so not a lot of inter-guild communication. I don't think so. Not that I'm aware of, anyway. But obviously, like, organized crime doesn't really follow this practice. Yeah. Like, if you look at gangs and, like, syndicates and stuff, they're not really selective, right? Like, they're not like, we only steal, no murder. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> the fucking mobs are gonna steal No murder, drugs. Drug traffic, this is a sex straight edge, like, a straight right. edge organization. We're not doing drugs. Only stealing, no drugs. No, what else is there? Yeah. Prostitution, is that a thing? Like, sex trafficking, like, narcotics, like, all that stuff. Exactly. Like, organized crime as it actually exists, isn't just like, we're only assassins kind of thing. Right. Can you imagine if that were the case, you were having some kind of interaction with a, like a gang member and you were trying to like, I don't know how, how this works, but uh-huh. like you were trying to deal with some situation. You're like, well, don't even worry about it. I hear they don't kill anyone. Yeah, exactly. So like, we can it's get away fine. with a lot. <laughs> I feel like I've like seen like TV shows or like movies that talk about like old like mobs or like even like more like modern games from like the 80s and like 90s. They were like, you maybe have a leader that has like a code of like, I don't want to like sell this kind of drug because it's bad for the community. And they're normally mm. murdered by someone within their gang that's like, I want the profits <laughs> from selling that thing. I so actually want that. So, <laughs> so we're just going to yeah. move you out of the way. Yeah. So like, obviously, the the idea of a criminal guild is a little bit far-fetched. But I found a couple of potential examples of medieval criminal organizations. Um, I'm mostly just going to be looking at Europe and the Middle East. Obviously, Mm -hmm. when you're looking at modern depictions of medieval fantasy, like Skyrim, you're not really going to be looking at Asia, for example, right? Like, people can talk about ninjas being assassins and stuff like that and the historical basis and uh, falsehoods associated with that, but that's not really relevant to, like, the Dark Brotherhood. Right. Yeah, so uh, what I have for you guys are a couple of maybe real, maybe not examples of assassin (laughs) and thief, like, criminal organizations in Europe. Awesome. So number one, this is pulling from a National Geographic article on the topic. Was the medieval order of assassins a real thing? Yes. Kind of. So kind obviously <laughs> assassinations have like existed throughout human history. As fa- as long as humans have been alive, you could pay someone to kill someone else for sure. money or <laughs> makes sense. like for a political reason. I feel like it's such a human thing because people get like mm-hmm. so mad and be like, man, I, I, I'd kill this thing if I could, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, there was probably a time where you could just go down the street and ask Bob, like, yo, I'll trade you some like yeah. coins to, to, a, kill, a cow. to kill Yeah, I'll give you a cow if you kill my ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, obviously assassinations are, like, a real thing, but the word assassin actually comes from a very specific term, and it's uh, hashashin, or hashish users, so hash is, like, a cannabis derivative. Oh, yeah. Wild. And so this refers specifically to this word hashashin, so basically it means, like, hash users. So this is a term mm. that referred to uh, reefer madness. Sorry, Ismailis. <laughs> reefer madness <laughs> oh that dates God. back to the medieval times. Yeah. Uh, it actually kind of is based in that. So, ba- okay. Oh my so God, amazing. When you're looking at Muslims, right? There are Shia 
and Sunni. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that dates back to like the, I think it was the 1630s AD, the schism of Islam. Mm-hmm. Then in the 9th century, there was a disagreement over leadership among Shiites that led to another schism. Most right. Shiites, if I recall correctly, are Twelvers. Okay. What does that mean? It's like a colloquial terminology for like uh, referring to the Twelve in terms of leadership. Mm. There was a formation of the Ismaili sect or Ismailis. I've seen it pronounced both ways. I'm not sure which is the correct definition or the pronunciation. But this schism happened in the 9th century among the Shiites. So some of them went under the leader Ismail. Oh, okay. In 1095, an Ismaili prince, Nizar, uh, was in line to rule Cairo, but his dad passed him over in favor of his younger brother. (gasps) He seized Alexandria, but was executed. His followers then fled to Persia and founded their own branch of Ismailism. And so their own separate line of secession. So Nizari Ismailis is specifically referring to a branch of Ismailism, which is part of Shia Islam, one of the two main branches of Islam. Got it. Word. So their leader at the time was Hassan i Saba, and they created the sect of like strongholds in the Persian and Syrian mountains. And then obviously a bunch of like weird rumors started forming about them. This mm-hmm. was, sure. you know, in part because they were considered enemies by maybe surrounding sects, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, based on like their schism, people who were on the other side of the schism would think badly of them. Yeah. Right. And at the time also- People take religion very seriously, it turns out. Exactly. And at the time, you would have Western observers, uh, people like, you know, during the Crusades and other people going through the region who would look at that and misinterpret it and further perpetuate these like crazy legends about these people. Yeah. What kinds of legends? So this specifically was this idea that, so the truth is they did have a group of fighters associated with them. They were known yeah. as the the Fedayeen. Uh, as far as I know, that word means self-sacrificers, generally people who sacrifice oh. themselves for God, who had these like guerrilla strike tactics against political targets. Interesting. Whoa. Is it like literally s- sacrificing their lives or is it just sort of a more general sacrificing broadly? I think a general sacrificing broadly is in you are tasked with killing someone. And if you have to die sure. to do that, you die to do it. That's some Assassin's Creed yeah. shit. Exactly. This is actually the basis of Assassin's Creed stuff. So oh, really, shit. Okay. They fought with these like guerrilla tactics <laughs> and uh, the Hashishin was like applied pejoratively, pejoratively by other Muslim groups. And then Westerners oh. like heard that and then they Westernized it into Assassin. Wow. wow. Which now it is just a word that means like paid murderer. Right. Yeah. So then you have people like Marco Polo, who is like going through the region, who like started spreading these crazy rumors about how these Miley's were like intoxicated with drugs like hash and lured into fighting for this like fabled old man of the mountain to protect the paradise. So it was this like they turned it into Wild. this like story of these are people on drugs who were fighting for paradise led by some secret leader in the mountains. And that's why they're assassins. And now, you know, like assassin just means a paid murderer. But the word itself kind of spread through medieval Europe after its inception as like this like hash user kind of thing. So like Dante, for example, in the Inferno wrote about assassins and in parentheses wrote, an assassin is one who kills other for money because like readers maybe didn't know what the word was yet. (laughs) That's funny. This is really interesting because like the... um... League of Assassins or in like uh, Mar- or DC, like their whole mm-hmm. like, tra- like I guess in what the, uh, like Batman Begins when like he's training yeah. with like Ra's al Ghul, he has to like inhale like this like smoke, which basically is like some kind of psychedelic that's like really like tapping into your like fear center in your brain. But training yeah, to so like fight totally under these conditions. Yeah, I was like, wow, this is, I'm glad I know this now. Because I was like, that was really yeah. cool imagery, but like, I don't really know how you came up with this idea of like taking drugs and then becoming like an elite assassin just doesn't 
in my mind, doesn't go hand in hand. I don't really see yourself being able to, like, be a good assassin if you're yeah, exactly. on the hash. Psychedelics. <laughs> yeah. Who knows, man? I haven't tried it. It could be that it's extremely helpful. And in my experience, getting high has not made me turn into an elite killer, so... <laughs> <laughs> mostly I just am hungry <laughs> and want to just like hungry, watch TV yeah mostly when I get really high I just kind of like want to watch TV and eat something all the food yeah yeah anyway so that's actually the order uh like the origin of like these orders of assassins the uh this historian that I was reading about Farhad Daftari mm-hmm. he was saying that like Rooted in fear, hostility, ignorance, and fantasy, myths of these Miley's have fired the popular imagination for countless generations. Wow. It's It's a lot of, like, their enemies and people who didn't know what was happening in the area were, like, applying this, like, whack visual stuff about, you know, these, like, whack ideas about them. Yeah. This visual imagery and stuff. And then it just kind of, like, spread like wildfire from there. I mean, yeah. Is it good to make up a bunch of shit about a group of people and just sort of apply it broadly and recklessly? No. But is this a very fun vibe that people have cultivated through these rumors? Yes, it's a very fun vibe. Absolutely. Yeah. Are there any details on, like, how the actual Hashishans dressed like were they like in garb that would be assassin's creed yeah like i'm just wondering like it is are we pulling everything <laughs> oh, I from know. these i people? actually didn't really i didn't really super look into it the thing is that it's not like a small sect you know yeah uh even today there's like i think around 15 million members of this uh this like branch oh wow the state though was worn down by mongols like they were eliminated as like a, a country mm-hmm. or you know a state in like 1219 as were many others uh, in the area at the time. But no, I didn't super look into their like state of dress or anything. I had have to imagine it was basically like what people just wore in the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then maybe you cover your face because you're like trying to kill someone. Yeah, you don't want to stand out too much in your like head to toe black <laughs> piercing eyes armor. Well, you know. <laughs> you've for some reason chosen to put well, though apparently you're less obtrusive in that than normal clothes. People wandering around being like hail Sithis at you. Oh my God, I know. <laughs> I hate that. I'm like, buddy, shush. <laughs> Keep it quiet, man. That's like walking around like in like as Bruce Wayne in like your Batman costume. People are like, "Hey, what's up, Bruce?" Shh. Man. I know it's like, dude, <laughs> chill. Come on. Yeah. Oh my god. Speaking of, I don't. What was it? It was like a Star Kid play about Batman and Superman, and like the guy playing Batman was like, "I'm Bat Wayne." Book. I mean, I'm Bruce Man. Shit. I mean, I'm Bruce Wayne. When he like introduces himself to someone. I'm Bruce, man. <laughs> I love that. That's very good. Mm. Anyway, so that's this uh, this uh, medieval origin of the assassins. Dope. So at this point, it gets way less in any way based in truth. Um, okay. But I'm going to talk awesome. about a, a couple of examples of medieval thieves' guilds. And so how truth? Wow. How I imagine truth? you'll tell us as we go. How, tr- <laughs> how, truth? <laughs> how truth are they? <laughs> how truth is. <laughs> I'll I'll go in order of uh, increasing evidence anyway. Okay, great. So we'll start out with the most, the least wait, evidence, the least, <laughs> the least evidence. Okay. Yeah, the oh, least okay, evidence. Woohoo! Yeah, I gotta get my brain buckled down here. Okay, so this first one is called La Gardunia. So this is this like alleged like Spanish criminal organization that supposedly existed for over four hundred years. And was even used by the Inquisition to squash their enemies. Oh, shit. And, no, it didn't really exist. I, like, literally oh. could not find any evidence <laughs> of it. Um, Wait, it was, so how did it come up then? So, like, it was, like, allegedly founded in Spade in, like, the middle to late medieval period. And then uh-huh. uh, some Spanish historians 
like one of them, let's see, Arisena uh, and Sanchis, they were like, actually, this probably just originated from a book that came out in the late 1800s called Mysteries <laughs> of the Inquisition and Other Secret Societies. And then some other people read it and went, oh, fuck, that's real. That's With fact. like no fucking evidence. <laughs> Incredible. I love that um. there's, I feel like there's all of this, I don't know, agita these days about people not being able to like sort truth from fiction and like media literacy shit i love that this is an ongoing issue throughout human history that yeah. even back then people were like oh yeah that sounds right it's written yeah. down it must be true fake be true. news has always been around and will always yeah, be mm-hmm. around not going so anywhere. they like mm-hmm. uh they like wrote about this and uh, had some interviews on it that i had to translate or like use google translate because i was like fuck i have no idea what they're saying um but basically there were like studies on like actual banditry and crime don't talk about it like you can't find oh. evidence of it and sure, you could say it's a secret society. Maybe yeah. it's just a very well-kept secret. But for hundreds of years, there's no evidence of its existence. It's kind yeah, of... Yeah, that's a bit much. Yeah, it's a big ask. stretch. I want that to be true for there to be know, those right? societies out there. And then they can come and recruit me. And I'm trying to get my training on so I can become a vigilante. Mm-hmm. So... What? Consider this my <laughs> like oh, my, my my shout out to get recruited by an elite <laughs> group of assassins. So far, you've asked to be recruited as... Like a consulting scientist yeah. for a superhero movie mm-hmm. and also an assassin for something that doesn't exist, yep. correct? Yes. Ask and you All shall right. receive. <laughs> yeah, what is an assassin if not a vigilante, which is basically a superhero? Yep. What I'm saying is assassins uh, are superheroes. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, so basically they just kind of, these historians were just pointing out that like, yeah, it actually seems like a lot of this kept happening in the 1800s. Like you have in the late 1800s, especially during like the popularization of these like mystery novels mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. kind of urban fantasy stuff with the Victorians. When you start having like pulp fiction and, you know, these like dime novels start coming out and then they're like talking about the shit and people think it's real, but it's actually just a bunch of like kind of bullshit and hearsay. And I guess at the time you can't really like corroborate a lot of like these claims so you're just like reading it's like oh this may be true everybody else is reading it too so i I guess it must be real anyway so this next one is french which means that i'm gonna like absolutely fucking butcher the pronunciation have we talked about yet how much (laughs) (laughs) yet how much i love listening to sarah try to pronounce french it we is have the funniest not thing. About it, no, we haven't talked. Listen, <laughs> listen. We went to Montreal, driving through Montreal. Sarah's trying to read signs and street t- signs. I'm trying to fucking drive in a city, <laughs> but I cannot because I'm laughing so fucking hard that I'm about to pass out from Sarah being like, <laughs> like those gas stations. You'd be like couch tard. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the problem with like, French <laughs> is that I can't. I don't understand when I'm supposed to pronounce the letters and when I'm not. I know, but you're so much worse at it than most people are. <laughs> I know. So what happens is I try coming at it with a perspective of someone who speaks English and took Spanish for many years and has like a vague idea of that phonetic system, but also not a great idea of that phonetic system and also can't figure out which letters I'm supposed to say. So it's some horrifying abomination of like (laughs) Spanish, English and fucked up French. (laughs) Texan English. Yeah, Texan English at that too. Uh, Anyway. That's funny. (laughs) Here we go. So here it is. So this is about the coquillar. Which is <laughs> coquille? Co- I'm gonna say it as if I'm saying all the letters. Okay. Coquillards. Coquillards. Coquillard. I don't know how to you say see it. Why I was how is it you spelled? See what my problem was. It's spelled C O Q U I 
L-L-A-R-D-S. Coquillard. Uh, probably is pretty close to coquillard. 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 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they were allegedly a loose organization of criminals in medieval France, uh, specifically in the Dijon region. The, the, the mustard region of France? The mustard region. <laughs> so the name is derived from a seashell, a coquille. <laughs> Wait, the name of Dijon or the name of... No, no, no. The coquillard oh. comes from seashells, which is a word pronounced mm. coquille. Coquille. Okay. I don't know how to pronounce this one either. Oh, is it just because like it's like the seashell that's like shaped like your cochlear or cochlea in your ear? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like spiral? Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is associated with the shrine Santiago de Compostela. Oh, not in France. No, in Spain, which is a frequent destination for criminals. Or sorry, for pilgrims. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm falling apart. <laughs> Trying to pronounce French words has really thrown me off. You can do it. I believe in you. Oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> it was a frequent destination for pilgrims. The coquillard were false pilgrims. They were thieves and beggars that trafficked in fake relics and souvenirs. Oh, so there's forgers. Yeah. So they would travel with these groups of pilgrims to this part of Spain and basically would try to steal from other pilgrims while blending in with the crowd, but also like selling forged. I think allegedly they were mostly based in France and would pretend to sell shells and other artifacts from the shrine, which Ah. had shell artifacts. Uh. Okay. I can't believe that they're fucking, the basis of their crime was pretend shells. Yeah. <laughs> it's weak sauce, man. Fake fake seashell market. Yeah, That's dude. Weak. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe those were like a very like a pricey, like luxurious item of the time. And it's like, okay, we're just going to make fake ones. I mean, if it's like a religious thing, it would be, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So at the time, in 1455, there was a trial and- there was this like wild like identification of like the secret language of this organization. They had identifying marks and tattoos. There was a king that was living in the sewer. Their headquarters Whoa. were a brothel. Wait, uh, wait, wait. This there's a sewer king? Yes. Yeah, the king of the Koki. <laughs> <laughs> or however you pronounce that word. Who <laughs> lived in the sewer? Who <laughs> lived in the sewer? Wait, is this real or not real? I can't remember where we're at right now. Currently, as far as I can tell, the only historical record of this was there was a guy, Lazare Sanian, who edited surviving <laughs> documents from this trial in the early 1900s, and I cannot find any other record of this shit. Mm. Of the sewer king? Of the sewer king. And then mm-hmm. there was a French poet at the time. What's his name? His name is Francois Villon. Mm-hmm. who lived between 1431 and 1463. Short life. Short life. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That is pretty short. Yeah, it's really short. It's because he kept going down to visit the sewer king. I'm sure he contracted all kinds of shit. Maybe he faked his own death and he lived a very long life in the sewer. Maybe. So, like, this guy was, like, known to be around criminals. And so part of the link for this alleged criminal organization is that he wrote poems some of them were about violent things. He wrote about like a secret organization's language, like a thieves can't kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. an acquaintance of his was named at this trial in 1455. So a lot of people kind of like extrapolated information from all of this being like, oh, he knew members of the criminal organization and he revealed their secret language in poetry. And also this proves that it's real because a couple years later he was charged with the murder of someone during a fight and then was royally acquitted. Like, see, it's a conspiracy, like all of this kind of sure. yeah. crap. But like, honestly, 
Guys, I do think he was just a poet who probably wrote about shit because he's like a poet. That's yeah. fair. Like he probably wasn't like writing the truth. It just was like fun poetry that was like shocking. One of like the wow factor. Yeah, exactly. Um, so basically, the I think the general idea here is that it's unlikely that a real criminal organization existed. It was probably a name that was just given to criminals across France regardless of their political alliances or trade. Yeah. If the Coquillard like name popped up anywhere, it was less that they were probably a real organization and more that they were like alleged members of a secret organization that has like no actual proof of its existence in the sewer. I feel like it's probably also one of those situations where people like claim that they're affiliated with something to get clout or I thought maybe only happens in movies and TV shows and books and stuff. But well, at this trial, apparently this guy like said he was part of it in a way of like trying to say he could name names to get himself out of shit. Oh, I see. So it's like, oh, this probably isn't real. Then this guy is just a criminal who got arrested and was like, fuck, I got to get out of this. Also, yeah. if you were really like a member of like, I guess I know these people weren't like assassins, but like thieves. But like, if you really wanted to like scare a court, I'd be like, I'm going to tell them about you. Yeah, right? Fucking watch out, Judge. <laughs> sweet mother. So you start doing the black sacrament right, right there. <laughs> sweet mother, sweet mother, send your child unto me. I'm calling the night Just mother. Fucking lop off I'm somebody's calling. head, start putting together <laughs> ribcage pieces. Yeah, so that's another one that's like probably not real. The last example I have that has is more evidence. No, this one is also from the Middle East. Okay. Now I want to preface this by saying that the two people that talked about this most are two white historians so I'm sure it's fine. Mm-hmm. One's Mike Dash. He's a contemporary uh, historian. The other one is Clifford Bosworth. What a name. Who lived between 1928 and 2015 and was a British Orientalist. What does that mean? What's an Orientalist? Yeah. Uh, an Orientalist is a scholar who specialized in Arabic, Indian, and Islamic cultures, allegedly to like look at them in an equal light as Western cultures and history. Yeah. And how well does that go? Yeah. yeah. So it's obviously a lot of bullshit. Like Edward Said like wrote about this, right? In Orientalism in 1978, like scholars were perpetuating this outside in interpretation of these cultures. The basic premise of this, of course, is that the East or the Orient is imagined in such a way that emphasizes it's like, you know, strange, exotic, abnormal practices. Uh, and so uh-huh. it's an artificial construct of the area because it's an outside in perspective. And in doing so, it reinforces the West view uh, of itself as normal. Right. So this is like in the similar spirit of like people trying to project like magical realism onto anything that was coming out of like South America. Yeah. Yeah. This like looking at it through this like fantastical lens, mm-hmm. looking at these sensationalized things. It's a the false premise is that you're praising it and looking at it as a objective historian. When in reality, the subject is being essentialized and misinterpreted. And more specifically, it's about like, I mean, sorry, in response to what Marcus said, Mm. more specifically, it's about like when magical realism is applied to quote unquote oriental places. It's like, we didn't do that. That's not us. Mm. Right. Um, Yeah. Edward Said's Orientalism. Pretty good book. Pretty dense. I think anybody could get through the introduction, though. Yeah. A plus. Do recommend. Yeah, I mean, he's specifically talking about, like, Arabic, Islamic cultures, this, like, yeah. oh, I'm actually respecting it, and this uh, this idea and that just because it. you're, like, admiring it and in awe of it and praising it, that you can't actually be doing anything wrong when it actually, like, in actuality, what you're doing is misrepresenting it, putting it on a pedestal, and looking at a false construct that is in itself uh, dehumanizing and objectifying. Right. Anyway, so take some of this crap for, like you know, what it is coming from a fucking Orientalist. Yes. Yeah. So what he's basically talking about are the, the Banu Sassen, which was a, a, an alleged loose fraternity of rogues, criminals, burglars, you know, quote unquote, Islam's medieval underworld. And it was mm-hmm. said that for six centuries, its members were found anywhere from Spain to the Chinese border. 
Clifford Bosworth talks about like the tools of the trade. Mm -hmm. So the reason Mm -hmm. that this was accepted as like history was that he translated into English writings on them. So this would be pulling from writers in like uh, Al-Jahiz in like the the late 700s to the late 800s or uh, Jawabari from the 1200s who wrote on the Banu Sasan. The mm-hmm. latter was a Syrian writer who wrote about over 600 tricks used by housebreakers. But then that begs the question. Is that the title of the book? No, it's like what he writes about. It's, I don't know what the title <laughs> oh, okay, is exactly. Okay. It's a good, be a good title. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> but, you know, does this lend credibility to there being an actual criminal organization or not? Or is this just like a guy who isn't a criminal writing a sensationalist piece of work that was later misinterpreted by historians who were looking at the area already as this exotic, strange place and took it as fact? Mm-hmm. 600 life hacks yeah. for sex. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> Especially because, like, if you look at, like, Greco-Roman writers, like, Pliny the Elder wrote, like, a bajillion pages on medicine, but, like... Pliny the Elder wrote a bajillion pages on a lot of yeah, things. Yeah, like, he was writing all this crazy <laughs> shit, but that doesn't mean that every single Roman was using his many, many, many cures for rabies, you know? Like, just because the guy wrote about it doesn't fucking mean that that's what all criminals were doing, and it's pure historical fact. That's a really, really good example of... Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Maybe this guy in the 1200s was docking out of his ass. Like, no offense, yeah. Marcus and Abby, if I asked you to write me 600 tricks used by housebreakers, you could probably write down a list, but I wouldn't think sure. it's, like, real. I could probably get to, I'm going to say 165, and then I would need to enlist assistance, unless I really started breaking it down into extremely granular strategies. Yeah, it would also depend on like how like plausible would these hacks have to be. It's like, oh, like could I just be like, well, I'm going to create a wormhole. Yeah, so a lot of these hacks were not plausible, which was why I'm kind of like, okay, I think you're just like reading this book and being like, haha, I found the truth instead of being like, wow, <laughs> this guy maybe was talking a lot of shit, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so one of them, here's a quote from uh, Clifford Bosworth. The burglar has with him a flint stone and a candle about as big as a little finger. He lights the candle and sticks it on a tortoise's back. What? <laughs> a-, a tortoise. <laughs> You forgot to say that he brings a tortoise with yeah, him. Yeah, he brings a tortoise. It's one of the tools of the trade. Sure. The tortoise is then introduced through a breach into the house, and it crawls slowly around, thereby illuminating the house and its contents. And it's like, Are buddy, you, you read wow. that and went, yeah, they definitely did that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, my God. Wishful thinking. I know. And so, like, another one was, like, they allegedly used sand, and if they threw sand into the house, it would wake someone up. And I was like, throwing sand onto the ground would absolutely not wake me up. What? Yeah, and it's just like, I, what are you talking about? I'm like wondering, That's like, ridiculous. I guess like if like you, they're talking about literally throwing sand into the house or like off of like a window to like make some noise to like yeah get arouse someone out of their own sleep. Yeah, with sand, sand maybe it must be very quiet in that yeah. home. Yeah. Anyway, but what I think is like pretty firm proof that this is like a really weird exoticism of this group is that Clifford Bosworth wrote. Banu Sasan was merely were merely the Middle Eastern equivalents of rogues who have always existed in every culture and under every banner of religion. Yet the criminals produced by medieval Islam seem to have been especially resourceful and ingenious. And it's like, I think you just like interpreted a bunch of fake shit as real, man. Yep. Yeah. Also, it's crazy to say that that is resourceful and ingenious to put a fucking tortoise in a house with a candle <laughs> on its back. Know. There's a lot that's wrong with that statement. And one of the things is looking at that and being like, yeah, great smart idea good job yeah exactly <laughs> i mean it's like a part of like kind of trying to create this picture of these groups of like perceived assassins is to create more of like a sense of fear coming from like the middle east it's like oh well they're like specifically trained in like these candle tortoise tactics so we should be worried about them 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so crazy. Anyway, basically, once again, probably the word Banusasan was specifically just applied to any criminal in the region. Mm-hmm. Just because they did crime doesn't mean they were part of some crazy secret underground organization <laughs> with the king of the sewers. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but basically, just kind of to sum up all of that stuff, Rosser, who wrote The Art of Solidarity in the Middle Ages Guilds in England, wrote that modern writers have sometimes sought by drawing on the poetry of Villon to romanticize this world of the outcast, but the imagined kingdoms of thieves and sororities of prostitutes lack justification from the sources. So, yeah. no, I guess the Dark Brotherhood and the Thieves Guild aren't real. Damn it. Damn it. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. No, once Marcus gets his vigilante shit yeah. going, then everybody fucking watch out. Dude, I mean, honestly, if something like this was to start, it would be started like Fight Club. <laughs> like It would just be yeah, like a couple bu- bunch of people just like coming together and like beating each other up. It's like, okay, well, I think we've gotten good enough to start uh, organizing and growing this organization. And now we should start uh, taking out like High Target. <laughs> This sounds like it would be an It's Always Sunny episode. (laughs) Like, the gang starts an Assassin's Guild. I'm so sorry, guys. I have to go. The FBI is knocking on my door. (laughs) (laughs) We wouldn't send the FBI. They would definitely send the CIA. (laughs) Well, well, we've already talked shit about them, too, so we're not safe. But I did find what is probably the basis of the modern idea of a Thieves' Guild. Cool. And this comes from... Uh, Fritz Lieber. So Fritz Lieber is the guy who invented the term sword and sorcery to describe like that genre of books. It's fantasy fiction that's like super fast paced and action packed and like heroes are fighting against supernatural threats and horrors and motivated by self-interest. And so this guy wrote between like 1939 and the I think the mid 70s. And he wrote about these protagonists in his short stories, Fafherd and the Grey Mouser. Fafherd? It's F-A-F-H-R-D. So I don't super know how to pronounce mm, that. I like that. But he was a tall and strong barbarian, and the mouser was a small mercurial thief with some magic skills who dual-wielded swords. And they operated mm. in the city of Lankmar, and there was a thieves' guild there, and they constantly interacted with the thieves' guild. And so that's probably the basis of, like, you know, D&D having thieves' cant, things like Skyrim having, mm-hmm. like, thieves' guilds and assassins' guild. It probably comes from this, like, sword and sorcery kind of writing, where there is that's this explicit cool. thieves' guild with these, you know, heroes that are, like, motivated by self-interest and money. And that in itself is probably based on, like, late 1800s writings about, like, you know, the mysteries of the Inquisition and other alleged, like, thief and assassin societies. Speculative fiction begets more speculative fiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fun. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's pretty much all I have to say about the Dark Brotherhood and uh, the Thieves Guild. And I guess I would just have to say that my expert opinion, in my expert opinion... The Dark Brotherhood quest is more fun, but the Thieves Guild is better armor. Um, And that's all I have to say about that absolute fact. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to In My Expert Opinion. Please remember to rate and subscribe. We'd also be grateful if you'd leave a review with your expert opinion on why this podcast is rad. Five-star reviews will get a shout-out on the podcast. Pretty big deal, if you ask me. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ExpertOpsPod, or email inmyexpertopinion at gmail.com. Later, nerds! <laughs>